What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Next Level Freedom Church podcast. My name is Trenton Cruz. I'm the lead pastor of Next Level Freedom Church in Jackson, Missouri. If you're seeking a church family that can help you grow in your relationship with Christ, or maybe you just want to check us out online, be sure to check out our website, www.nextlevelfreedomchurch.com. I hope today's episode will inspire you and encourage you as you fulfill the destiny God has for your life and fulfill your divine purpose in God's master plan. Thanks for tuning and God bless. God's doing something different, amen? He's always doing something different. If you were there a couple of Wednesday nights ago, you heard the prophecy Carrie Cole gave us about what God, what it was yesterday will never be again. So you need to move on from yesterday and get into what God's doing today. Amen? Amen. So glad you guys are with us this morning. We are going to start in Matthew 23 today, but God has kind of given me another direction. It's all going to tie together. Don't worry. So we're all still in this getting to know your creator. Good to see everybody here this morning. Good morning to those of you that I missed when uh, we were doing our greeting earlier and those that have snuck in on me. Uh, God is doing a new thing. Amen. Pastor Brett makes fun of DC talk all the time, but you know what? They had a song years ago and it was called new thing and it was talking about God's doing a new thing and they spelled it, you know, with the slang too for hip hop in you new Thang, T-H-A-N-G, right? Uh, can you get that light for me, Zach? All right, so today, well, praise the Lord. Let me find, I got the wrong sheet mark in this page. Hang on just a second. Praise God. I tried to mark my pages today because uh, I love it when I get to speak from a physical Bible, amen? There's something about paper, I know some of you in this digital age think, oh, yeah, I can read a book online. That's great. Well, when the Internet crashes, I still got books. Amen? So so uh, I, I love the sound of flipping pages. I love walking into a Christian bookstore. That's why I go to Tennessee as often as I can and go to the Christian bookstore down there, just pulling books off the shelf, flipping through the pages, seeing if it's something I might be interested in, and then moving on. In a digital age, I do think they're going to regret all the things being online. Amen? But if you're tuning with us online this morning, we're thankful for you. Don't get me wrong. But if the internet grows down, what are you going to do then? You need to be able to get in presence with God yourself. Amen? So, uh, But we do invite you to come and join us at 1225 Old Cape Road, Jackson, Missouri, is where we're currently meeting. Praise the Lord. We're praying about our next move. Uh, God has been revealing some things. He revealed some things uh, Pastor Brett, I, Pastor Dave, Devin all went down to Dexter last night with our family, extended family down there, and uh, God moved in a mighty way. He spoke some things that he had already been speaking to me, so it was like a confirmation. There were prayer. We prayed for the nation. It was an awesome time in the Lord. Amen? How many of y'all know God's up to something? I know the world tells you he doesn't exist, but God's up to something big. Amen? What the man thought they'd use for evil, God's turning it around and using it for good. Because that's our God. That's the God we serve. Amen? So if you want to turn with me in your physical Bible, if you're on your phone, it's okay. I got it. You can go to your digital technology. We're going to be in Matthew 23 again today. But we're only going to look at one woe today because there's some other stuff I think we need to talk about this morning that we're going to talk about. I'm not planning to be before you long. I know it's a church cleaning day, and I know you all are excited to get started. 
Amen. A couple of you are. I'm excited. Amen. I love to get to hang out with the church family while we clean the church. Amen. It's God's house, right? So we're going to spray and we're going to do some cleaning, some vacuuming and hang out. We're going to be doing a thorough, hopefully, cleaning of this building. Amen. Right now, we don't have full-time staff that's janitoring, keeping everything up. So we got to do it ourselves. But that's the church's job anyway, right? We're taking care of God's house. We worship here, then we need to be here to help take care of it. We need to take care of what God has given us. I believe that a bigger building is coming in the near future. Near future to God and near future to us can be two different things. But I do believe there is one on the way because God is up to some stuff. And there is so much transition happening right now in the physical and spiritual realm that is crazy, the things that are going on. And we always look at it like it's crazy, but really it's just God. What are we going to, it's hard for us to sometimes comprehend just how good he is. Matter of fact, we can't comprehend it. Amen. Let's just be honest. Can't comprehend the goodness of God. And so that's why when we see things like last night when we went down and heard this guest speaker from New Zealand uh, speaking, um, and he was talking about Zephaniah and how it describes this world almost to a T, and he gave the history behind it. I, was, I got to talk to him a little bit after service between talking to other people, and I was like, you know what? Everything you just said, we talked about on the way down. Did we not, pastors and prophet? We talked about everything on the way down, not knowing what he was going to be talking about, and he covered all the topics we talked about. And it also took me back to a dream, or not a dream, I'm sorry, when God woke me up in the middle of the night a while back. It's probably been a few months ago now. And uh, had me open the Bible to Zephaniah chapter 2 and talked about how this is the description of what's going on today. I mean, y'all know we can notice parallels in our word. That's because God's timing, everything's a season. It's in constant rotation. What does the Bible tell us? There's nothing new under the sun. Everything you're experiencing now has been experienced before. New time, new age, But here's where we want to go. Matthew 23, we're going to be in verse 23 and 24 is all we're going to look at in Matthew. Then we're going to turn to some other passages today. But God spoke to me this morning as I was here in my time with him, and he revealed something. See, this is why context is important. Amen? Okay. David's shaking his head. I'll take it. Context and the way you interpret your Bible is important. Too many preachers getting away from context. And starting whole new doctrines and things, but we're not doing that. I do believe it's the living word and he speaks different things different times to different people, but I also believe there's a context to which the word was written. So when I read the context today, I think it's going to surprise you, and if not, that's okay. It surprised me, amen? I'm willing to admit that I don't have it all figured out yet, but I'm still figuring it out, right? And if you are honest with yourself, I don't care if you're 100 years old, you're still trying to figure it out. Because you're never going to figure it out till we get there. Matthew chapter 23, verse 23. I'm just going to read verses 23 and 24, and then we're going to get started in what God began speaking to me this morning. Just looking at the context of what Jesus was saying. Matthew 23, it says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Remember, we're looking at the woes. This is the fourth woe that Jesus gives them here in the text. He says, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Sound familiar? We've been reading that. He's been saying that to these scribes and these Pharisees. For you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin, I think is how you say that, and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, 
justice and mercy and faith, these you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. What is Jesus saying here in the context? He's looking at, he's saying, yeah, I see you guys. You pay tithe. You do these things. He's saying, I'm not saying you shouldn't do that, but what you've done is you've focused so much on the details, the little minute details of your religious mojo, I tend to say. You focus so much on that that you're missing the more important things in life. And we're going to talk about that here in just a minute. But let me go ahead and finish there, verse 24. Now, some of y'all have read this. This is the part that stuck out to me, and we're going to get to it in just a minute. Verse 24, there is more to this word that Jesus gave them than what it appears to us today. Because when you read this next verse in today's society, you look like many preachers I've heard preaching about it say it's an insult but not necessarily if you will look at the context of what Jesus is saying they would have understood those listening what he meant by what he said and here is what he said verse 24 blind guides he's talking to the Pharisees and scribes so these two go together who strain out a gnat and swallow a camel and you look at that and you look at it from western eyes and you're thinking Hmm, well, he just insulted them, but there's more to it than that. It wasn't an insult at all, actually. He was speaking truth. Now, I'll show you that in just a minute. So let's go ahead and take a look at what he said here as he was speaking to these religious leaders. The Mosaic Law was specified that a tenth of all that one had was to be given to the Lord for the ongoing work of God through the Levites and the priests. We learn about that in Leviticus when we go Old Testament. They were supposed to set aside a tenth because the Levites did not get any land. They were given a few city, cities where they were people could come for sanctuary. But the Levites were taken care of by the other tribes. The other tribes gave a tenth of everything they had to the Levites so they could continue to do God's ministry. Amen? Now, you read on there, Jesus is not telling the Pharisees and teachers of the law to neglect the tithe, but what he is telling them is that there's so much attention to their ceremonial detail consumes them so much of their time and attention that they have no time to plan how they will how they will daily exercise the more important matters. What are the more important matters? The more important matters are this, such as bringing justice to those who are wronged, mercy to those who do wrong, and faithfulness to those who have departed from the faith. We begin to look at the context. He wasn't telling them that it was wrong to give the tenth. What he was telling them is you've neglected more important things. You need to be doing both. That's what he said when he finished that statement there. He says, these you ought to have done. So what you're doing, yeah, you need to do it, but you're too focused on the details. And we're going to talk about the details here in just a second. Without leaving the other things undone. So you, yeah, you do that. You tithe. You give what you have, but you don't get so caught up in the details of that that you're missing the more important things, which are how to reach those around us. God planted me here in Jackson. Those of you who don't know, I was headed to Nashville, Tennessee. I was not planning to come back to Missouri. And God began to speak other things. And I was going to go to Nashville, plant the church he had given me in 2012. But as I began to pray between the two, we actually went out and visited uh, the Nashville area. We went out to some cities and local areas out there. My wife and I, we took the kids. We went on a little road trip because it's good to scope out where you're headed. And nothing was clicking. And I'm like, God, I don't understand. This is what I thought you told me. How many of y'all know sometimes we get caught up in what we want to do? 
and miss out on God. So here's the deal, though. But when God told me, I was in a prayer meeting. I'm telling y'all, if you don't have your own prayer time, you need to get your own prayer time. Because that is when God speaks. And in my prayer time at this time, I would walk around Union Campus, which is where I went to uh, school, Union University, Jackson, Tennessee. There's a beautiful campus, especially at night. And I would take, and I actually had it timed out. I would make a complete circle around the bell tower and the buildings, and I'd walk the sidewalk, and it'd take me 15 minutes to make one round when I was praying. So I knew that if I made four rounds, I had spent an hour with God. Not that I stopped at an hour, but I could see the time just kept increasing, amen? As I'm walking along the sidewalks one night, and I'm praying about what we're supposed to do next, because I have already got my master's degree, we're just kind of there, and we're looking for the next step, God began to speak to me about Jackson, Missouri, and he actually brought Brett to mind. I hadn't talked to Brett in probably a while. At that time, we were kind of apart, so we didn't really communicate much. And I uh, remember the days, he kind of took me back to the days of when we would do youth revivals, and we would do things, and we'd see things happening. We weren't doing anything. We were just being obedient. We'd have a worship team. We'd speak the word, and people were being delivered. And there was something people were seeking, but I looked around at the churches, and I'm like, this is lacking. These churches and churches today, and I know we have a lot of churches talking about it, but too many, the problem, one of the big problems is a lot of the churches that are talking about it being a problem aren't doing anything about the problem. And I knew at that time, and I think I called Brett shortly after that, and that's when he told me no. I'm like, would you be interested in planning a church with me in Jackson? He just bluntly said, nope. I'm like, okay. <laughs> and uh, so I was just like, I was continuing to pray. And I was like, well, you know what, God? And I wasn't referring to necessarily Brett, but I'm like, you need to send me someone like Brett. Someone I can, I can't do this by myself. We need somebody in the mix that's going to be able to help me. Because I was getting started. I had nothing. We had a family. That was it. And he began to show me some things. As a matter of fact, Brett didn't know it, but God was already setting him up. I put him on the board. I put him on the board at the church, made him the vice president, because I knew eventually he'd come around, right? But I knew it was going to take some time, and, you know, I can't, I just, and he was willing to do it, so I said, yeah, have a seat on the board, and, you know, we did that for two and a half years or so, and then he felt God calling him back, and he said it was a little before that, but he had to get a confirmation with his wife, which is perfectly acceptable. Husbands, you got to have a confirmation. If you're married to someone, the couple should be able to agree. You got to be able to do it together because you're in this thing together. And so he was waiting for confirmation with his wife. Well, she got her confirmation on Facebook, scrolling in a bed on a Saturday morning. Am I right, Afton? What did the, what did the post say? It was a post from a, he's, he's dead now, right, the guy that posted? Okay, and you know our name is Next Level Freedom Church, right? Afton's laying in bed, and she, she's, I guess she laughed or something, and then showed Brett. And uh, he just smiled at her, he said, and rolled over and went back to sleep, but, or whatever. But uh, he said, the next level belongs to those who are willing to take action. And the situation they were in at the time, they were just looking and not seeing anything moving. And God began to speak to them. And he spoke to them in the way he spoke. But I say all that to say this, we need to have our ear tuned to God. What's God saying? So needless to say, he called me back to Jackson, Missouri. Uh, I'm like, okay, and my first question, I'll just be honest, right? I knew the size of the vision he had given me, what we were supposed to be doing. Matter of fact, the main facility, when it's all said and done, should hold around probably 10,000 people, right? And I'm thinking, God, 
you know, you can see that in Nashville where there's hundreds of thousands or whatever many people in the population. And I'm like, why Jackson, right? Because what was uh, the population at that time? I don't even know what it is now. Was like on fourteen thousand and something, fifteen thousand, whatever it was, and. I just continued to hear God say, nope, we're going to Jackson. And as we got back, he began to open doors. The only people at the church at the time, we were doing summer out, uh, we called them meet and greets, where we were meeting people at the park. And those times we actually got about 24 people through that that were willing to launch the church with us. But nobody was tithing or anything. There was none of that. It was our tithe that was paying everything. And God knew, and I looked at God, I said, okay, God, if you're going to open the door to a facility, it's going to have to be afforded on what we're giving, and I still want to give to missions, because we give 10% to missions. Um, We are getting more narrowing that view this year of who we're giving to. I believe there's a few ministries God has spoken us to give to, and we're going to be doing that. So what did God do? Well, I don't even remember what our tithe together at that time was. It wasn't a ton of money. But we ended up getting the Jackson Civic Center. We went, and I just felt led to go. So I went to talk to the manager of the Jackson Civic Center. At that time, his name was Jason. And I went to talk to Jason, and I asked him, I'm like, would you consider uh, letting us have church here on Sunday mornings? We rent the room and have a church service. And I'll be honest, his first answer We've had three or four churches try to do that, and we've turned them all down. So let's pray about it and see what happens. Now, Jason's a Christian. He goes to uh, LaCroix over here in Cape. And uh, Jason's like, well, let me just, we'll just pray and see what God does. Well, not only as time went on did God draw the heart, he opened the doors to us. One of the churches that had been turned down was Joy Church, who was in this facility before us. Ed had approached them, and he said, no, we're not doing it. And everybody had been denied, and I just felt like I should go by and ask him again, would you be willing to let us have churches here? He's like, you know what? Sure, let's do it. So what did he do? He not only cut the price in half for me, Literally, the Civic Center at that time, anyway, I don't know now, didn't open till noon on Sundays, so we had the building if we needed it, right? I think the cost at that time for the room we were renting was 75 for the room we were using the sanctuary and was going to be another 25 for the children's area we were wanting to use at the Civic Center. And he cut that in half, and he said, I'm only going to charge you 50 bucks a week because that was per week. It was going to be 100 a week. He cut that in half. That was God thing. Because we were still able to give to missions. We were still able to do all the things we needed. We were still able to do the things we had to do. And we could afford it. It was 200 a month. We could do that. That was a God thing. If we're walking in what God has got for us, y'all understand, a lot of times in my own experience, a matter of fact, I'll just go ahead and say most of the time, when God's calling me to do something, ask her, it doesn't make sense. I compare myself to Abraham even when he called us to Tennessee. People telling us that's not God. Oh, yeah, it is. It's God. We found out when we got there why. And I felt just like Abraham. I was going to a country where I didn't know anybody to do something God told me I was going to be doing. And he just began to open doors. Now, eight months into that, things had already began to start happening, but that's when God began to open even more doors and we began to realize the reason we were there. We were there for training. We were there for training for what's coming because, I honestly, I had no experience. I had college, but the best part about when we were at Love and Truth, I actually worked at Love and Truth while I was there, and I worked at Chick-fil-A. How many of y'all got Chick-fil-A's in here? 
I was one of the directors of Chick-fil-A. I delivered, um, and I delivered the food. I was the one going to the factory, serving the food to the people, saying hi, smiling, whatever. And, you know, so that was my job, and I was working at the church. While I'm at the church, I begin to see all the things that happen behind the scenes that you guys never see. And when I'm saying you guys, I'm not just talking about you guys. The people in churches never see the work that goes into a church. But it's sure nice to come in and sit on a Sunday. But there is a lot of work. Late nights, ask my wife, it still happens. There's a lot of late nights, early mornings. One of the questions that got brought up last night was amazing because it was right. I was like, I, I can relate. When, when ministers get these types of calls, they're always like, am I ever going to be able to sleep again, God? What do they mean? Because God is constantly waking us up in the middle of the night. Now, he's given me a few nights of sleep. I appreciate that. God, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. But he's constantly waking us up and showing us things. We're here cleaning up after, I'll just say, I'm here. I'll clean up after everybody that's been here. We'll take the trash out. We'll do the cleaning and we can get done. We clean because the coffee area is always a mess, Right? picking up the trash, and sometimes it, it, I, I'll even talk, to, I'll have to talk to God while I'm doing it, because if I don't, it's going to cut into all my prayer time, right? There's a lot of work, and I'm not even talking about that, I'm talking paperwork, there's a lot of things that go into running the church, so you need to thank your leaders today when you're walking around, because they're helping me carry this burden, amen? Amen. All right, some of you, it's all right, you're going to catch on. All right, so understanding this, back to the Pharisees, right? See, I knew God was going to do something different this morning. I just wasn't sure what, right? Amen, but he did tell me to stop here. But what I want to point out to you is this. Jesus makes this statement as he's basically chewing them out, saying you're leaving out the important things because you're so focused on other minute details of everything. He makes this statement in verse 24, and I had no idea until this morning God pointed this out when I was studying it. Blind guides who strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. What did he mean by that? Other than many of us tuck that as he was just insulting them. No, he wasn't. He was actually making a statement. The law declared that many winged creatures were unclean, which the rabbis applied by straining wine to clean out the small insects that would make it into the vine or wine and make the wine unclean. So the Pharisees had this part down. They didn't want any small, tiny insect or bugs in their wine, so they would squeeze it. In other words, they would filter out all the gnats. This is one of the minute details Jesus was referring to. You're caught up in the minute details, but where do you get to the next part? How many of y'all have read through Leviticus, you know, that book that's all laws and things and books that talk about the law? Here's the part. He gets to the second half. He says, you strain out a gnat. Talking about those tiny bugs. They're squeezing out of their wine. And you swallow a camel. What did he mean by that? While attending to the minute legal matters of the law, they overlooked the largest land animal in Palestine, the camel, which was also ceremonial unclean. But they would let the camels in. See, they're missing the big things while focusing on the little things. 
This is what Jesus meant. Now, I was wowed by this. So y'all can either be wowed or not. If you're not wowed, I'm assuming you've already heard this before. But so what was happening is basically this is the clearest example of the kind of hypocrisy that demonstrates the inconsistency in their personal behavior. We will filter out our wine. We will clean it out, but we're going to let the camels come on in. Y'all caught the other part, right? The largest land animal in Palestine at that time anyway. You missed it. So now when you read the words blind guides who strain out a gnat and swallow a camel, I hope it gives you more meaning. There are bigger things than the minute details. Not that the minute details shouldn't be followed. That's not what he was saying. But we shouldn't be so focused on minute details, we miss the big things. In our society, what's the big things? Lisa got to minister to a guy this morning walking up the street. Y'all realize we're in the middle of the heartland here? We are on the epicenter of this country and a great revival. Y'all realize there's an eclipse coming on April 8th, right? When that eclipse coming, and the crazy part is we were there last night. Pastor Stephen was telling us about the fact that the eclipse is following the corridor God give him exactly. The shadow of that eclipse is making an X right here where we're at in Missouri. Signs, seasons, that's what he uses those things for. He shows us things. I believe we're on the berk. Well, that's not the word I'm looking for. Break. Well, no, not even that. Brink. That's it. We're on the brink of something big. Amen? And we're right in the heart of it. The question is, are we ready? We look at most churches, I'd say no, probably not. Do you realize there are going to be people looking for answers? I'm going to read a couple of passages to you, but I want to, I want to zero in on Ephesians here in just a minute to kind of look at. But 2 Timothy, I'm going to read it out of the New King James Version. Some of you are probably familiar with the NIV Version. Let me just read it out of here. 2 Timothy 2.15, here's what it says. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God. What's the next line? Anybody else reading the New King James? A worker. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. You guys have also heard that translated study to show thyself approved is what you also heard. We got to be working at it. Amen. The God, God will speak, but sometimes you need to put a little more effort into your study. It's not about just reading the verse. How about we dig into the context of what the verse meant? Because you guys realize when you get into the context of verses and you look at context, how, more, how much more powerful what Jesus says is. How many of y'all knew about a camel being unclean? How many of y'all knew about the gnat? They were strangling, they were 
squeezing the get the little bugs out of their wine because they didn't want to have any uncleanness, but they're missing the biggest thing of all, which is right in front of them. Jesus is warning. They're so caught up, and if you remember the other woes, they're so caught up in what they're doing. It's like God talked to me in 2020 and spoke, you're so, you're so busy doing ministry, you're missing ministry. God gave me a butt chew in that morning, one o'clock in the morning. Because we're always busy doing how many of y'all know? You got to stop sometimes. Bible talks about busybodies. Now it's talking about gossipers. I got you. But if we're too busy doing ministry, we're missing ministry, we're missing our time with God. We've all been there. I show hands. I'm sure if we were being honest, everybody could raise their hand on the time they've done it. And I'd be the first one to put my hand up. And I've even had these conversations with God. God is so busy. It's so busy. I got to stop. I got to stop. I got to stop. And so you guys realize the best times I have just coming here and sitting in the quiet. It's easy to get caught up in doing and missing. They were caught up in following the traditions, doing the things, minute details, but they're missing a big detail, right? We just talked about that. But they're not only are they missing that detail, they're missing the people. Talked to Devin this morning. Maybe there's a reason our computers keep crashing. Is God trying to tell us to do something? Well, pastor, I like to see the lyrics. Get over it. Because you can get caught up, so caught up in reading lyrics that you're missing God. We're so caught in, in tech. Tech's a distraction. It can be used for good, but a lot of times we use it as a distraction. Matter of fact, I'd be brave enough to say most of the time it is a distraction. God's trying to speak, and we're busy typing. God, I got to get my next post up, right? Yeah, got it. And God's like, I was trying to talk to you the whole time. You went out, you just were too busy typing and hitting sin that you missed me. I like how bro, uh, Brother Brett, Brother Brett, Pastor Brett worded it. Keyboard warriors. How many of y'all know people are bolder nowadays? Because they think they've got a platform. So they'll type stuff and send it on social media. They would never tell you to your face. Can I warn you, give you a word of caution? Be careful what you're posting. People see it. And it's always there. Do you guys realize, see, this is what modern society doesn't realize either. Just ask the lawyer. I mean, he may or may not have had cases like this. Even if you delete the text off your phone, they've still got it. So whatever you said can be used against you in the court of law. You thought you deleted it, but they've got it. It's out there. Once it's out there, it's out there. It goes with words, too. What do you mean? Years ago, I remember, and I think it was in school, I don't remember, they were talking about Martin Luther King and how his words are still going out there into space. 
the speeches he gave, once you speak it, it keeps going. It gets out of our hearing range fairly quick, but the sound is still traveling, and somewhere out in space, they tell us that Martin Luther's still giving his speech. This is why we try to caution you, what do you say with your words? Not only does it affect you physically if you're speaking negative over yourself, your body reacts to how you speak. This is why there's danger in that, just life and death and the power of the tongue. If you're speaking negative, you wonder why I'm always negative. Your body reacts. This is just science. We speak, we're sick, the body reacts, you're sick. Now, on the flip side of that, there's a good side of that too. You speak life, your body speaks life. You speak life, that word's carrying on too, giving life. So we got to be careful what we say and what we post on social media. I can't tell you the number of times people have come to me about stuff that people in this church have put on post social media. People outside of church. Teachers got to be careful. They're saying stuff and getting caught and losing their jobs. You got to be careful. That's any, do you guys realize? Can I just be real with you? I went to business school, right? So they taught HR, human resources. I was, that was one of the things I learned. Do you guys realize when you go for a job interview, one of the first thing they do is look you up on Facebook? One of the first things they do is look you up on Facebook. So your posts are either good or bad. They're deciding whether you're getting the job based on who you're claiming to be. If they're good posts, you got nothing to worry about. If they're bad posts, I've seen people not get hired because of it. They can do that. It's very legal for them to do that. They can do the research. That's part of the research. Just like they have to do background checks for certain jobs, they can do that. And it is legal. And they cannot hire you based on what they see on your social media. So kids, you guys are still teens. Get a hold on that social media. Everything you're saying every day is being seen by even people that aren't your friends on social media. And like it or not, whether it's fair or not, doesn't really matter because they're basing you, who you are as a person, by what you say on social media. Not fair, maybe, but that's okay because you're held to a higher standard. We're not saying you're going to be perfect, but they see it. I've had people come to me with some things some of you youth have posted, actually. You didn't know I found out about it. I'm not going to approach you with it, but I am going to pray for you. Adults, too. We got to be careful. People are watching. It's the same as your witness in person. What you do in person, people are looking. Anyone who causes one of these little ones to stumble... You'd rather tie a millstone around your neck and be cast into the ocean. Of course, I'm paraphrasing. You can cause people to stumble by your posts. That's why I think God, he just took me out. I don't even know if I'm ever going back to social media. He's told me to stay away from it. I am. 
You do what God tells you to do. If he's told you to do it, you keep doing it. But I'm, I'm praying that you're doing it with his guidance. Because if you're not, you're not being a witness. It's more destruction than life. Careful what you post. All right. Ephesians 3. I want to talk about this for just a minute. And I know we're getting ready to wrap up. Ephesians chapter 3. I think it's Ephesians 3. Hang on, my notes are back here. Ephesians 4, I'm sorry. We're going to start in verse 11. I just want to see where God wants to stop. I did have a stopping point, but I want to keep reading. After 11, go to 11, chapter 4, verse 11 of Ephesians. Can I give you a word? And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. For the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. To a perfect man. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That we should no longer be children. Here's what I want you to catch. Tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. By the trickery of men, in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, of, who is the head Christ. From whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God, because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling, whom being past feeling, have given themselves over to lewdness, to work all uncleanness with greediness. Which you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct. The old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor. For we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Jesus gave you an example of that today. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. Ooh, here's a good one. This was Brett's theme verse when we did Folk Christ years ago. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good and necessary for edification that it may impart grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, 
by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Words are so important. Typed or spoken. I pray in this room, your words are life when you speak it. That they're not put out there in anger. What did he say? He said, be angry and sin not. This is what God gave me this morning. As we look at the Pharisees, I want to do something, I think, a little bit different. You guys ready? I'm going to let you guys go ahead and stand with me today. See, that's already different, right? Some of you are comfortable. Go ahead and get standing for me. There we go. As we leave, I want to put out words of life. Amen? So here's what I'm going to do. Kids, thank you. Oh. If you're tuning with us online, thank you so much for joining with us. You've never received Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. God bless you. We're praying that you do, and all you have to do is ask. You ask him into your heart. You repent of your sins. That's the key. You turn from your ways. You make a 180 with God. It is a decision only you can make. I cannot make it for you. If we could make it for you, there would be a lot of people we'd be trying to help. Amen? Amen? But it's a decision we have to make individually. Be careful about being a keyboard warrior. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for those tuning online this morning. Lord, I pray that they have received your word this morning, Lord, with open hearts, open minds. I pray that you've spoken to the spirits, Lord, this morning as I was just being obedient to what you had to say. Thank you if you're tuning with us online. God bless you. We'll see you next week.